My soul is a witness for my Lord. My soul. There's another witness. You know that's you, right? There's another witness. Does your soul witness for our Lord? Oh, goodness gracious. Already this morning we've had rocks cry out. Did you hear those rocks crying out? You know, did you hear the scripture being read in the middle of those rocks crying out? You know, if, uh, if my disciples are silent, the rocks are going to sing out, cry out, shout out. They won't be silent. All creation is going to raise its voice so that you will know that God is still love. If my disciples are quiet, they shouted, no, we cannot be quiet. And the rocks shout out. I love the Forever Blessed song at the beginning said, rocks be silent while we praise. Because it seems like we're first choice, right? Who's the witnesses here? Seems like we're first choice, but if for some reason we don't live up to what is expected of us and tell our story, our testimony, our witness, then Jesus says, these rocks, these rocks are going to do it for you. The stones will cry out. They will speak so that all can know of God's power and God's love. Oh, goodness, as I was preparing for the sermon this week, I drove by uh, 11th Street and Yale where we had a post office that I used to love going to and is no longer working. Can you imagine that? Our post office closed down. And so I was disappointed, and then I saw a few days later that they painted this wonderful love graffiti art on it that you see popping up around Houston every now and then. And I thought, look at that, the stones are crying out. We may be God, we may be gone, but God's still speaking up. There it is right there, the stones are crying out. And I also met one of you for breakfast down at Cafe Brazil, down in Montrose. And as I walked into Cafe Brazil, on the sidewalk in the block of stone there was a stenciled imprint, Black Trans Lives Matter. And I thought, the stones are crying out. I bet the stones have been crying out a lot longer than I've been paying attention to them. You know, but they are crying out. Whenever the witness isn't present, whenever our faith doesn't call us to speak out, God in Christ says the stones will actually carry the message forward, will actually do it for us, even though we are first choice. Hear that? We are first choice to be the witnesses. I had a young person that I got connected to about 25 years ago, tall and skinny, and I'm short, but he was tall. He was six, three feet, six foot three inches tall, and he's so thin it made him look taller. Painfully shy, just painfully shy. The things in life that had happened to him that just made him lose his voice. He might talk with you one-on-one, -on -one, but you still had to struggle to hear because his voice was so soft. And when you shook his hand, it was, it was hard to know whether there was life in there because the hand sort of just felt, you know, just like maybe a dead fish of some kind. You know, just cold. And was there a being inside that body there with a voice that needed to speak out? And often at events, I would see this young person against the wall, lined up all the way, pressed up against it as far as he could, and occasionally people would go and engage him one-on-one -on -one because that's all that he could handle. 
at those moments in time. And occasionally at this place, they would have dress-up parties and different events, different times, Halloween, other Valentine's, other, other times. And this must have been a Hollywood party because I walked into the event that night, and there he was against the wall in four-foot heels that were red and hair that touched the ceiling. The hair literally touched the ceiling, and he was one of the best shares I've ever seen. Tall, skinny, red high heel shoes and big share hair. And I looked at him and I said, boy, you are a screaming wallflower today. <laughs> you are a screaming wallflower. And boy, you know, in him doing that, it was the stones crying out. Didn't have to say a word, but there it was. Here I am, God's child, God's beloved. See me, know me, include me in your community in your life. Oh goodness, can some of us be a little bit more screaming wallflowers at different times and not completely lose our voice. As I was preparing for the sermon this week, I, I found myself resonating with all things a Southern Baptist pastor from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I had to ask Jesus about this. That's <laughs> Jesus about this. And so I kept reading him. I would, I would prepare more and I'd go back to what this fellow was talking about, these stones crying out. And I thought, can I, can, where is he coming from in this? I don't understand. And so I went on the internet and I found a retirement article where he had preached his last sermon. He was 70 years old at Myers Park Baptist Church in North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina. And as a part of the sermon, he quoted a Broadway show. I thought, this may be part of the reason why I feel resonant with this person. But the show he quoted was called South Pacific. And there was a song in the show called You've Got to Be Taught. The song almost didn't get in the show because at that day and time, uh, when so much chaos going on when the show was being created, the producers didn't want to put in a show, put in the show the song You've Got to Be Taught. And Rodgers and Hammerstein said, we won't do the show then, unless you put this song in. And these are the lyrics for it that this Southern Baptist preacher spoke on his final sermon. You've got to be taught to be afraid of people whose eyes are oddly made and people whose skin is a different shade. You have to be carefully taught. South Pacific, it was an interracial relationship. You've got to be taught to hate and to fear. You've got to be taught from year to year. It's got to be drummed in your dear little ear. You've got to be carefully taught. And he wrote another verse that he shared with them. You've got to be taught to be afraid of people with different DNA and people not born in the USA. You've got to be carefully taught. And I thought about this retiring at 70 Baptist preacher who was about to go into a chemical dependency center to recover from some challenges he had. And I thought about the fights he had there. I thought about the sermons he had preached where people had walked out. I thought about the places in the life journey in that church in Charlotte where he'd been told to get out because he was preaching that kind of word. And I thought, oh my goodness, was he worn out? Did he just get tired? 
what was going on in his ministry at that time. Had he made his own bargain? Had he gone far enough? And now it was time for someone else to come along and go a little bit farther. Because in the article I was reading about him, he was talking about these stones, and he was reminding us that earlier in the Gospel of Luke, John the Baptist had made a comment. John the Baptist had made a comment before baptizing Jesus that said, if you won't be the witnesses, God will raise up stone, Abraham's children from these stones. If your voice is silent, God's going to start with a whole new generation and raise Abraham's children from these stones. And so he talked about how sometimes our voice goes silent. Have you ever been one of those places where you said, well, I can remember when. You don't remember what it was like. I would ask you to think of the next time you say that and wonder, have I made a bargain because I think I've come far enough? You don't know what it was like. You can't remember. So he's talking about John the Baptist saying, if you can't do it, God will rise up another generation, children from these stones, to bring about justice in this world. Can we be a witness today? Can we call out God's love today to all of those on the margin, to all of those around the world? Can we be that witness or do we have to wait for the next generation to be raised up by God to speak that justice. You see, Jesus is going into Jerusalem today. He's going into the city, and he's been talking about the covenant of Abraham, and it's been making him mad. Because in the covenant of Abraham, everybody gets blessed. All the nations, all the children, all the faiths in the covenant of Abraham. And so when that verse says, children of Abraham will be raised up, it's intentional. Children of Abraham, that covenant where everyone's blessed. Because Jesus is going into a city where the powerful, the elite in the city, have made a bargain. They made a bargain with the occupying Roman force. And the bargain is how can we continue to keep worshiping as Jewish people? And so they have these ritual uh, things that they do to stay pure. You have to go to the temple to do them. Everything has to come to the temple. Well, that excludes a lot of people. That doesn't allow most of the Jewish people to be blessed because they cannot participate in the system that's been carefully thought up to allow for them to exist. And they think they had gone far enough. They think this bargain is good enough. And Jesus keeps saying, no, all God's children are blessed. All God's children are blessed. Not only those who can make it to town and not only those who have the money to buy sacrifices and not only those who have the ability to get fresh, clean water and to do the ritual cleansing ceremonies. So they're a little upset at Jesus. Doesn't he know we had to do a lot of sacrificing to get to this place? Doesn't he know where we came from? And Jesus is saying, it's not about where you came from. It's about the fact that you're satisfied that this bargain works for you when it doesn't work for everybody else. It's about the fact that you feel good about where you've made it. But what about all these other out here that it doesn't apply to? 
Can you hear Jesus saying that in the journey into Jerusalem? The people are happy there. We know how to live under this regime. We even know how to thrive. We even know how to make money. We're doing okay during this oppressive time. Don't rock the boat, Jesus. Don't rock the boat. And oh, we can come some places and make our bargains. I had a friend, a Methodist pastor in San Francisco, and this is several decades ago before marriage was legal anywhere for people of the same gender. And I was doing a wedding in the streets in Houston, and some people were getting pretty afraid of it because it was getting some media attention. And as I was marrying this lesbian couple who'd been together 25 years, my mom called and she was all afraid I was going to get shot. Mothers. But then someone else had suggested that I wear a bulletproof vest under my robe. And I thought, well, what about, what about these lesbians who've been together for 25 years? You want me to put on a vest and we're not going to protect them at all? What about this couple? What about everyone? What are we, are we going to live in this fear? And so we did not do that. But the argument with this pastor in San Francisco, her name was Karen. She called and she said, Troy, stop doing that. And I said, well, why would we stop doing this? This is about God's justice. And she said, because here in San Francisco, we marry people without any problem. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, we just don't tell our bishops, and they know what's going on, and they don't care. And then that works for us. Well, Karen, you know that doesn't work anywhere else but San Francisco, don't you? She says, but if you do this, they're going to then also make it hard for us and I said, oh, goodness gracious, you have settled for a bargain. That didn't apply to anyone but you. Think about your life, what you've come from, where you might say, you don't know where I've been, and wonder what bargain you've made to be comfortable with where you are now. Now imagine Jesus riding in on a donkey on palm branches saying to you, it's not enough. Some of my children are left out. And the covenant is with every breathing being on the earth. Does it rattle your cage a little bit? Can we identify with some of those religious authorities and leaders who said, we've got it made. Don't shake it up too much, Jesus. It will all come tumbling down. It will all come tumbling down. But Jesus was doing just that, just that in the way he went in to Jerusalem. The next thing that happens in the story is he goes to the temple and overthrows the tables. He's not worried about it all coming tumbling down. And then he weeps. He weeps for Jerusalem and the temple, and he says, not a stone will be left standing not a stone will be left standing. So as the stones are crying out, as John says, I can raise a new generation from these stones. God will. Here Jesus says, these stones you're trusting in so much are just going to fall. They are going to fall. And the Gospel of Luke was written in awareness that the temple had fallen. And the Wailing Wall is one of the places that's left that they had to dig down to to find and uncover. And people go there to pray because it has fallen down and all the rubble is around it. The rubble that we hope 
turns to rabble that raises its voice as a witness to God's love. But I've been there to this place, and our wall over here is the, our version of the Wailing Wall. Those are supposed to be rocks that you put your prayers in. And as you say those prayers, know that they go to God. But the rocks have tumbled down as Jesus indicated. And as the Gospel of Luke writer was aware, not one stone will be left upon the other of this structure you so trust. Maybe they made too many bargains. Maybe they became complacent or maybe they became tired and they didn't hand it off to the next generation to carry forward. But the rocks came tumbling down. I'd like you to hear the lyrics of a Christmas hymn. It's actually by a guy named Richard Wilbur. And um, it talks about Palm Sunday and Good Friday. This week we go into is the week called Holy Week, Passion Week. It is not Easter yet. Even though we shouted hallelujah, well, we didn't shout hallelujah yet, right? We shouted hosanna. Next Sunday, we'll shout hallelujah, but this week is the week before. This is the week of washing each other's feet, the week of Jesus being betrayed, the week of the cross. And so here in this poem by Richard Wilbur, this child through David's city shall ride and triumph by the palm shall strew its branches, and every stone shall cry. And every stone shall cry, though heavy, though dull and dumb, and lie within the roadway to pave Christ's kingdom come. The child shall be forsaken and yielded up to die. The sky shall groan and darken, and every stone shall cry. And every stone shall cry for stony hearts so human. God's life staked to the tree. God's love refused again. Will we be a people that stay witnesses? Will we be a people that receive God's love now and not wait for another generation to do it for us? You know, I've talked to some young adults, and uh, I've heard the older adults say, you know, this next crew will get this done right. And the young adults look back at us and say, what are you talking about? We don't want what you're leaving. We've got some work to do. God's love extends to every part of creation. Have we made any bargains that keep anyone left out? You have a rock that you were given as you walked into worship this day. I ask that you make it your prayer partner this week and wonder what stone is crying out to you in your life, in your place. What bargain have you made that you may need to question? What love of Jesus may you may need to be a witness about? My soul is a witness. Sing it out, my soul is a witness. May it be so for all of us. In life, here and out there, if you don't have the words, at least be a screaming wallflower. Amen. <laughs>